Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm the guy that can't wait to really celebrate Christmas time. I mean, I'm kind of doing it right now, but I can't wait to really dive in. Woo! My daughter has already decorated her apartment. <laughs> has she? She has stockings hung. No way. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I love <laughs> I her for that. I support it 100%. Well, this one over here, I'm pointing to my wife. You guys know her as Producer Ash. She started celebrating Halloween. In April. In, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had like three months of Halloween. Yeah, it was like late August, maybe. Yeah, yeah. decorations. Here's I'm not done thing. talking. Here's the Horror thing. Horror movies. We went to two amusement parks, <laughs> two parties. Here's the thing. And this bitch is like, we have to wait till Thanksgiving. I wasn't jumping the gun. I wasn't stomping out a holiday by celebrating early. Yeah. I don't want to stomp on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm shut fine your mouth. with stomping out Thanksgiving. Yeah, kick rocks. Thanksgiving is just like a pause in the middle of Halloween it's and Christmas. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. We don't I, need to make a season out of it. I used to be gung-ho like the day after Thanksgiving. Do not start celebrating yeah. Christmas until then. Yeah. Life is freaking Me short. Too. Go for it. I'm all about it now. Celebrate Christmas in July if you want to. Dude, Halloween's over. It's Christmas time now. <laughs> That's it. Dude, I just saw this Instagram video. It was like a guy playing the... It was almost like a stand-up comedy. Like, and now I'm introducing you. You know, and he, he introduces Halloween Man. So it's Halloween guy and he's got like a Halloween <laughs> suit on and he does his bit. And then he's like, all right, next up we got Weird Fall Guy. And then this weird fall guy with like leaves and Thanksgiving turkeys on his suit. And he's like, okay, guys, really excited. And then the Halloween guy is like still talking. He's like, hey, I need you to just shut up now. It's my turn. Shut up. My turn. And he's like, okay, let's do the hand drawing. Like, you know, the Thanksgiving stuff. Yeah, the, the and then, turkey. And then Christmas man is like stepping on the stage. He's like singing Christmas songs already and stuff. It's like, Christmas man, shut up. I'm not done yet. That's me. Yeah, that's you. You're a weird fall guy. Yeah. I am weird You're fall, a guy. fall guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hear something. This <laughs> just in. It's 54 and cloudy at not Disneyland. And it's 63 and rainy at Disneyland. Suck on that. Speaking of fall. So Kronk's birthday is November 27th, according to the internet. Kronk the Kronk? Kronk the Kronk. The Kronk. The one and only. And this episode comes out on November 27th. So happy birthday, Kronk. Happy birthday, Kronk. How do we know? Wait, yeah. He has a birthday? Internet. Yeah. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> what is that's the name a of solid the movie answer. The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Such a funny. That's I so fucking funny. love that movie. We should watch this again because I know a it's one that you guys love, but I've only seen it a few times. Yeah. It's extremely quotable. That's one with David Spade Mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. He's the llama. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I I cannot hear the word lever without yelling, wrong lever! (laughs) Is the guy that plays Kronk, he's the dude- Patrick Warburton. From Soren, right? Yep. Yeah. And have a good flight. Yeah. (laughs) And buckle up. (laughs) Reach around to the buckle on your right. Reach around. Reach around. <laughs> I don't think he says reach No, he does not. I highly doubt it. Okay, we'll get to Patrick Warburton. But first up, we're going to talk about the movie. Okay. Let's. So let's start with how the movie and thereby Kronk came to be. Okay. It's the mid-1990s. The Disney Renaissance is in full bloom. Oh, And so the good. studio is looking to recapture the magic that was the Lion King and focus on different cultures, a la Mulan and Pocahontas. Boo! Mm-hmm. 
Boo. Mulan's great. White American culture only. Wow. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Wrong meeting. <laughs> Wrong meeting. <laughs> Wrong lover. So Roger Ellers, uh, director, said, quote, I had just finished Lion King and was looking around to see what to do next. Disney was starting to push to do things set in other cultures. Tom Schumacher, executive vice president for Disney Feature Animation, called me in and he had three pictures up on the wall, representations of Inca, Aztec, and Mayan cultures. For the Incan culture, there is a picture of these amazing stone buildings in Machu Picchu, the city atop a mountain in the clouds. I said, I'd love to develop something around the Incas, so I started looking for an idea. In their creation myth of the world, there was a god named Viracocha, fucking that up, who brought light to the world by throwing a rope around a distant star and pulling it to the earth. I kept waiting for it to be a rope around a llama. <laughs> I know. I, all I'm seeing is just llamas from beginning llama, to end. Llama, llama, llama. Yeah. That image to me was really exciting. The most stunning visual in the film would have been the conclusion where the sun is roped and pulled into this writhing mass of dark images. Sounds kind of cool. Sounds scary it's not scary yeah um i was hoping it would be a mix of mythology humor and romance i had looked at prisoner of zenda as a story about a prince and his distant cousin who are dead ringers the prince has enemies that want to kidnap him and the lookalike cousin has to stand in for him it was also reflective of the prince and the pauper and i thought up the character of yzma the high priestess who wants to take over and regain her lost youth and beauty she was funny and long and skinny and angular and you could do a lot of physical humor with her <laughs> as for the music this is right around the time just after the breakup of the police and sting had become a massive international solo star meanwhile elton john's got a lot of love for his songs for the lion king he does it only made sense that the company would now approach another star to do something similar to compose a broad variety of songs to enhance the film's musical theater style appeal which was part of what disney was all about wait that's sting yep oh wow. i didn't know that i don't think mm -hmm. i knew that either yeah i can't think of a single song see that's how you know it's not the as only song as i know stuff. is the and his perfect world begins and ends with me. Right. Cusco. Yes. You yeah, wrote but, that. But that ain't. Can you feel the love tonight? I mean, that is. Yeah. Classic, bro. Sure. It is. If I someone love were to say, which movie do you want to watch right now? It would definitely be Emperor's New Groove over Lion King. Yeah. Any day. Yes. But what is a better movie? Not what you want to watch. Object. What is a better film? Oh, it's Lion Emperor's King all the New way. Groove. No. <laughs> You can't honestly say that. I can honestly say that. She enjoys watching it more. Really? I think it's a better story, and I... Hold on to that. a lot funnier. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. So as for the cast, Michael Eisner wanted to have Barbara Streisand play Yzma. No. Wow. But Allers was thrilled to cast Eartha Kitt in the role. He says, quote, with these older divas, you can be a little afraid of getting in the room. With Eartha, at our first meeting, I'd just come back from a research trip to Peru, and I brought her a bunch of Peruvian textiles, these wonderful geometric patterns as a gift, and she immediately opened up. Eartha Kitt. I'm just looking her up. Her Tech name woman. is Eartha. Mm -hmm. It's spelled like Earth. With an A at the end. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a it. crazy name. Yeah. Um, Owen Wilson was initially cast as the voice of Pacha, who was a teenage llama herder with a strong resemblance to the emperor, Manco. Mm. And this would be that Prince and the Pauper type story in which the two were to switch places. 
Pacha being more compassionate and humble than Manco would vastly improve the quality of life throughout the kingdom, as well as fall in love with Nina, the emperor's betrothed. And the emperor also falls in love with a lowly female llama herder named Mata. It's basically a big business. My One of my favorite movies starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin, but just with llamas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They switch places. They fall in love with the other ones. That one. Thing. Yep. 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 I, there's like three of those 80s movies that I get them confused the one with dolly parton mm-hmm. uh nine to five mm-hmm. big business and then um what's the outrageous fortune no maybe i'm thinking of the soap op the soap is it called oh, soap soap yeah there you that's go that's funny well just like in the final film yzma turns the emperor into a llama teaching him humility in the original film, though, Yzma was a witch rather than an alchemist, and she aimed to destroy the sun in order to restore her youth. Yeah. Don't know how that would accomplish that. Sounds like she just needs some sunscreen. Well, yeah. if you destroy the and sun, therapy. you're dead. It's sunscreen and therapy. It's to restore your youth, you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah and so will everyone else. Right. No one will even see your youth. Exactly. Did you know that if the sun went out right now, it would take... It's like... Eight- Eight and a half hours for it to finally go dark. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, Just that's how horrifying. far away it is. That yeah. the speed of light would take that long. Okay, we have to stop talking about that. Okay, <laughs> feeling very anxious. Yeah, sorry. Don't like it. So after years of production snafus, fights about storylines, and catastrophic screenings, Kingdom of the Sun was. In a stunning move, completely shelved, and in its place came the Emperor's new groove. Much to the frustration of Roger Allers, it was decided that the project simply was not going to work the way that it had been planned and would need to become a more lighthearted in tone film. What a loser. <laughs> Allers left the project, leaving it in the hands of his co-director, Mark Dindle. To make things more intense, they were racing against an impossible deadline rumored to be imposed by an impending Happy Meal deal. Got to get it out for that Happy Meal. Wow. Hey, man, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it is. So the final film was, in the words of one of its co-creators, the result of gathering the funniest writers into a room together. Quote, a table of people who had nothing to lose. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, isn't that great? Um, Owen Wilson was dropped, as was Harvey Firestein, who had been cast as Yzma's henchman. A sentient rock named Hukua. So instead of Kronk, it was a sentient rock named Hukua. Funny. Okay. <laughs> the characters of Nina and Mata were also cut. And Manko, which had an unfortunate similarity to a vulgar slang term in Japan, became Cusco. <laughs> and Pacha, now voiced by John Goodman, was aged up and given a wife and children. Hukua was, placed, was replaced by Kronk. And the overall plot was changed to a buddy road trip comedy, keeping the idea from the original project of a commoner teaching a monarch to be kinder and rethink his priorities in life. Right. That's all well and good. But what about Sting? What about Sting? Yeah, what, what about a, Sting? What, I mean, we should ask ourselves that every, every day. day. <laughs> you wake up and you go, what about Sting? Like, just like that. Eyes open. What about Sting? What about Sting? <laughs> Well, six out of his eight songs that he wrote for the movie were deleted. Nah. This infuriated Sting. He started stinging everything. Yeah, he's been—he's really known for how easy he is to work with. Mm-hmm. But so he was satisfied when three of the cut songs were added as bonus tracks on the soundtrack. So uh-huh. whatever. Right. 
All the while, Sting's wife, Trudy, was making a documentary of the entire thing, a behind-the-scenes look at a mega-artist writing music for a Disney feature. Interesting. Named The Sweatbox. It's nearly nearly impossible to find, from what I've heard. (laughs) The mouse is a formidable enemy. Yeah, it's also called The Sweatbox. Yeah, yeah, we all know. you know that those two are into fucking... What are yeah, you talking about? Yeah, yeah, they have what's it called? What's it called when you have sex for like eight hours? Tan- uh, Tan- yeah, yeah, Consent- tan- tantric. Sting sure. and Trudy. Sting and Trudy and others. Oh, yeah. There's a funny story of a uh, session drummer named Josh Freese, who's mm-hmm. like the hired mercenary drummer. He actually just became the new drummer for Foo Fighters. Anyway, he lives in Long Beach, California. He's really good. He's playing like 300 plus records. Anyway, he. Um, <laughs> anyway. He has a funny story. When he toured with Sting, they like made it back to some European villa that Sting, Sting owns and was basically invited to get banged with him and his wife. And he said, no. <laughs> what an honor. Sting, I don't need you to pound me for seven hours straight. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for the gracious offer. Yeah. And no, th- that's what they're known for. They're like, do it for like an entire day. Ugh, that's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's I don't want to do anything for that too long. Too much, man. Except for sleep. Sleep. Yeah. It's also just, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Just not move on. What are we doing? <laughs> So, Kronk actually became a surprise Jewish icon. You don't say. Why is that? So, he wasn't originally developed to be Jewish, obviously. The Emperor's New Groove takes place in an anachronistic Incan empire, where the only hint of the existence of Judaism is an offhanded Mazel Tov in the middle of nowhere. Okay. (laughs) So, do do they clearly state he is a Jewish character? Not yet. So... How did Kronk go from beloved henchman to Jewish icon? Well, so the Emperor's New Groove came out in 2000, the result of a troubled production that ultimately created an environment for very odd choices and goofy non-sequiturs to make their way on screen. It was that kind of vibe, said Chris Williams, a storyboard artist, where people would just come in and say, I think Kronk should make spinach puffs. And we were like, yep, go with it, dude. (laughs) So in a movie about a would-be poisoning attempt turning an emperor into a llama instead, Patrick Warburton voices Kronk, a henchman more concerned about the dinner party than he is about the poisoning it's meant to cover up. (laughs) The sequel, Kronk's New Groove, I've heard it's not good. I'm not going to watch it, is where the Jewish nods really take off. The mm. script called for a wedding scene where Kronk imagines marrying Ms. Birdwell, the woman he's fallen for. So co-director Saul Blinkoff did what he loved to do in his work. He incorporated Jewish imagery into the film. He says, quote, I gave them my wedding album, the Huppa with the calla lily flowers, and we had the artist put that in there. So in Kronk's vision, he steps on a glass, the crowd shouts Mazel Tov, and he stands with Ms. Birdwell under a chuppah. Cute. Later on in the credits, another image shows Kronk and Ms. Birdwell being lifted on chairs, holding a napkin between them, a classic image of Jewish weddings. How funny. It's fair to say that the Jewish community has the best weddings. Just the best parties, right? They just, they really go for it, dude. I mean, I have been to one bar mitzvah oh was it fun it was a blast i'm sure it was it was a birthday party for a 13 year old boy and everyone was schnockered have you ever seen videos of like orthodox jews like in new york city (laughs) especially like during the covid lockdown they would meet anyway yeah it was like 
50,000 people all dressed like Orthodox Jews with the crazy hats and the, the curly cues and shit. And they're just like dancing and going. It's like a rave. They just go off for hours on end. There's also not a woman in sight. No. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like a lot of fun for those men. Yeah. Those sober men. They just dance together and eat weird meats. I don't know. Maybe I'll take it all back. Yeah. Well, take it back. No, I'm not anti-Semitic. Um, let's move on. Moving I'm just digging on. myself deeper. You are. My foot itches. So just like that, Ugh. Kronk became Jewish. Later, Disney posted Kronk in a dreidel-making guide. And positive support flooded in with folks celebrating, quote, canonically Jewish Kronk. Cute. Blinkoff admits that Kronk was not designed to be Jewish, but the fit was right. Quote, he's a great chef. He's good with food and we love our food. He's got a lot of heart. He's dependable. He's loyal. (laughs) I would say that's a good representation for the Jewish people. Wait, what is Kronk? A human. He's a human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, he's not the sentient rock that he was supposed to be. So <laughs> but he's based. I mean, he's kind of a sentient rock. So the prince is a llama. David the emperor. Spacek, or sorry, yeah. the emperor. He, he becomes gets turned a llama. into a llama. Got it. By Isma. The shows I need to watch the movie during the dinner party where she's trying to sneak poison into his spinach puffs. So he starts out human, becomes a llama, mm-hmm. and has to learn a lesson along the way. Mm-hmm. And there's a great scene where. He he puts the poison in, and it's like skull and crossbones. And then who puts it in? Kronk, Kronk, Kronk. Yeah, and he's cooking. So emperor, he's a good bad guy. Yeah, he's the henchman. So then the emperor turns into a llama, and Isma's like, "What the heck? You know, why did he turn into a llama?" And he, she goes to the bottle and like straightens out the label. It's not a. It's not skull a and skull crossbones. and crossbones. Oh, it's, it's a llama. A llama. Essence yeah. of llama. A llama. <laughs> so, but Kronk becomes his buddy, right? No. No. No? He's just kind of his own thing. Oh. I always thought he was a good guy. He teaches he the little is. squirrel woodchuck He's dumb. Guys. Okay. He's incredibly dumb. So he's just not good at being a, a henchman. No. No. An effectual no. henchman. No. Yeah. Okay. He means well. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's um, a conspiracy theory that I found on Reddit the other day. Ooh. Um, so... From this person who posted on Reddit, they said, quote, I, I read the really popular thread the other day about how the bug being eaten by the spider is actually a person. I did take note of the bug, but I also noticed something else. They posit that Kronk is possibly an animal turned human. Oh. And this is their evidence. One, he understood the squirrel, which did not speak English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two, Yzma at one point tells him he's like a big stupid monkey. <laughs> Three, when prompted about Kronk's age by Cusco, Yzma says she actually doesn't know, which could mean that she merely found Kronk as an animal and transformed him into a human, potentially. Okay, okay. Those last two are a little loose, but yeah. Four, at the very end of the film, Kronk is shown teaching Mesoamerican Boy Scouts and Yzma how to speak squirrel, which while the squirrel is understood through gestures, nobody actually understands what he's saying except for Kronk. Oh, interesting. And five, lastly, when Pacha and Cusco have gone into Isma's lair to retrieve the human potion, there are multiple potions for all of the other living creatures that Isma can turn someone into, but notably, only one potion remains to turn someone into a human. Interesting. Ah. I love these weird Disney. Yeah, it's just people just with too much time on their hands. I love it. Yeah. I saw one today, and I think I'd seen it before. It's some guy. Uh, po- what is it? So it's. 
Monsters Inc. When one of the monsters, I think the John Goodman character, he, you know, they're going uh, visiting children's rooms, right? And usually they're the one doing the scaring. Well, when the door opens to a kid's room, he gets scared. Mm-hmm. The monster gets scared, mm-hmm. and then the door shuts. But if you look on the the wall of that kid's room, there's a poster on the wall, and it's the same poster that's on the wall of the bad kid in Toy Story. Sid. Yes. Sid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the theory is that's Sid. Sid's room. Yeah. He saw him. He's like true evil. Yeah. He's so like, oh, God, get like, me oh, out of here. He got scared by him. Yeah. There's the whole thing is the Pixar theory. And that was something that I promised to get into a long time ago because it's, I mean, it's, it basically There's connects a lot. All, all of them of yes. because that same picture or at least a picture that's in Boo's room. Mm hmm is also in the dentist's office where Uh um in finding nemo yep and so the theory is that um darla's dad or not darla's dad yeah it's uncle uncle oh that's it yeah that the dentist the dentist is boo's dad okay yeah but i mean there's like theories there's connection through all of the movies Mm -hmm. yeah in some fashion Yep, we should we should do this. I know that it's would... it's been a thing because it's it's more it's a lot bigger. It's a than lot. You think it is? Send drawings on the walls. I just right. you know, and it's always funny when Charlie is like connecting his conspiracy <laughs> yes. theory. Yeah, <laughs> I see us doing that. Su- Susan, Susan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a whole room with just string and yes. lots of pins. So funny. Okay, so Kronk is nothing without Patrick Warburton. So we're gonna talk about him. The actor. Yep. Yeah. Um, Warburton was born in New Jersey in 1964. He's the son of an orthopedic surgeon and an actress credited as Barbara Lord. That's her stage name, though. Mm. Um, he and his three sisters were raised in a very religious and conservative Catholic family in Huntington Beach, California, which tracks having been there. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Um, at Emerald City Comic Con, Warburton shared with the crowd, quote, My parents actually do believe that my soul is in peril, that I'm really going to hell for being in Family Guy. Wow. Because he plays Joe. Wow. In Family Guy. That it's like a, a sinful show or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wild. It's <laughs> um, a hilarious character. His mother has actively tried to cancel the show and has even filed formal complaints with the FCC. No way. And apparently Seth MacFarlane has one of those on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I take it he's not close to his parents. No, he is. And he's oh. he's still religious, too. He just, he kind of just goes, you know what? I, I'll take yeah. part in sure. the show. And it's funny. Right. If there's ever a thing that I don't like, then whatever. His mom is actively trying to sabotage his career. Yep. That's very cool. strange. That'd be awkward at Thanksgiving. Very. Yeah. yeah. Weird. So what you been up to, Patrick? Nothing. Nothing. Not Nothing. recording Family Guy. Enjoy <laughs> the stocking where I paid your mortgage off. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, in his youth, he uh, transferred to Newport Beach, California. He studied marine biology at Orange Coast College in Costa nice. Mesa, but dropped out to pursue modeling and acting. That's where our parents are from, Newport Beach. That's where they went to college, too. Yeah. And so we, he was and there I were born for a Newport. time. Hell yeah. In 1991, he married Kathy Jennings, who he met in college. The couple has three sons and one daughter, and they live in Santa Rosa Valley. So he is a California boy. Love it. And he loves Disney. 
In an interview with Bullseye, he confessed, I just grew up loving Disney, and I say that I love Disney as much as any straight man in the world can love Disney. (laughs) I believe Uh, it's the happiest place on earth. Might be me. I know that it's, although it's a corporation, you know, a huge corporation, I still believe that the soul of Walt Disney exists there, and I just love it. I love taking the kids. I love spending time there. It's truly a joyous place. So to get to work and be part of anything Disney is still very special to me, I have to say. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. He continued, quote, I grew up as a Disney file. I love anything and everything Disney. I grew up on Disney like so many have. And I grew up in a very strict household with three younger sisters. We were allowed to watch in our youth two shows during the week. Little House on the Prairie was the only show we were allowed to watch during the week on a school night. And then, of course, on Sunday nights was the wonderful world of Disney. And we could watch that. So a big part of my life and growing up, you know, growing up on the beach, going to Disneyland that far away and loving Disney movies and anything and everything Disney. So, yes, Kronk is very near and dear. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. cool. Yeah. And then later on does Soren. Yep. God, that's so cool. Um, At age 18, he actually got thrown in Disney jail after he and a friend decided to dismount the park's people mover mid-ride. Yep. He was one of those boys. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's great. He said, that place is like Logan's Run. They've got cameras everywhere. <laughs> Especially now. Oh, yeah. He's talking about the people mover. That was a while ago. Yeah, he was 18, so that would have been 84. They got to bring that back, dude. Yeah. I think you're you're barking on deaf ears. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I like it, barking though. Barking on deaf ears, man. <laughs> it makes sense, though. You're barking up the wrong tree to deaf ears. (laughs) I like the first one. Um, Okay, so a few behind-the-scenes fun things. So he never met David Spade, a.k.a. Cusco, during the entire filming process. Really? That's so weird. What? He said, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know him then. I think I met him at the premiere of the movie. (laughs) Wait, so they tracked everything separately? Crazy. Crazier still. And despite having the majority of their scenes together, Warburton was never in the studio with Eartha Kitt. They recorded individually. That just seems harder. That seems way harder. And I don't think that's very typical, at least from what I've seen. If you watch like Toy Story. Yeah, you're vibing with each other. Yeah, but I mean, there is times where you're doing stuff alone. But often you'd see like Tom Hanks and what's his face in the studio together. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Um, but he did know Eartha Kitt from earlier in his life in a prior job. So he says, 20 years prior to Emperor's New Groove, I had done a movie with Eartha Kitt in South Africa. And this was one of the most horrible films ever made in the history of mankind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's called Dragonard. Dragonard? Dragonard. Dragonard. Like dragon with A-R-D at the end. It sounds like you're saying Dragonard. Or Dragonard. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says, I do remember one thing about Eartha. She could be 100 feet behind you, and you knew that she was there because she ate raw garlic every day. <gasps> oh, my God. That sucks. Yeah, it's just, it's ruined what I think about her now. Her name is Eartha, and she smells like raw garlic. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lovely woman. You shut up. Okay. Um, so Kit played the head of a bordello <laughs> that rescues his character after he gets beaten half to death. He says, there's this horrible, ridiculous scene where I'm in a bathtub and there's like 10 women bathing me. He, uh, Warburton recalled with visible amusement, adding that he's pretty sure the films never made the jump from VHS to DVD. Wow. Um, after the films had wrapped, the 
actor recalls meeting her in her room after a performance of the Roosevelt Hotel and realizing very quickly just how out of his depth he was as a still wet behind the ears 22 year old. Mm. He says, so here's a story about being in her hotel room. She excuses her butler or whatnot. She's sitting on one end of the couch, petting a furry animal. I don't know whether it was a cat or a dog. To this day, I can't tell you what it was because it was just a ball of fur. <laughs> and it was so Yzma-ish. <laughs> Darling, I'm so glad you came to see me. How are you? Wow. <laughs> After about 10 minutes, he said, I just felt like we had very little in common and I was way out of my league. So he excused himself and left. Now, decades later, Warburton can't help but laugh at the similar dynamics between himself and Kit and their characters. <laughs> so Dragonard has a 4.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb. That's not that bad. Hell yeah. That's not that bad at all. Wait, 4.2 out of 10, though. Yeah. That's yeah, it's not great. I Let <laughs> me just say that I've chosen a movie that we're going to watch so they don't have to. And that makes that look like... Yeah, but you choose terrible movies for us to watch. It's That's the, the whole thing point. that I've chosen, just so you know, has been called one of the worst films that has ever been made. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool, Ash. The quick thing for that movie, Dragonard, <laughs> is on an 18th century Caribbean island run by debauched colonial plantation owners, an enslaved Scotsman joins a slave revolt. I mean, that sounds fun, dude. <laughs> Whoa, that cover's nuts. Yeah. It really is. Oh, he looks like he's going to fuck. Oh, he is. He's got a whip. All right. Carry on, Ash. Okay. Fun fact. Patrick Warburton improvised when Kronk hummed his own theme song when he was carrying Cusco in the bag to the mm -hmm. waterfall. <laughs> that was all his own thing. But okay. of course, Disney, ever the copyright Nazi, had Warburton sign over all rights to the humming composition. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was in Seinfeld as well. Oh, yeah. That's right. He plays... Uh, Elaine's boyfriend. Elaine's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember what he hums. I just remember the... Yeah, that's well, right. He's like <laughs> hiding. <laughs> As for why the Emperor's New Groove has become such a big and enduring part of the legacy, one of his sons, Talon, offers a theory. He says, each character is so original. The puzzle that is that movie, everything interlocks so well. We're 90s kids. It matched our humor. It matched the style of what we grew up with. It's our childhood, which is exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's one take. But another from Kronk himself. He says, quote, I remember meeting some kids from UCLA. They approached me to let me know that during their semester, The Emperor's New Groove was the number one movie they got high to. And I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's go back. His son's name is... Talon? I knew you Talon. were going to say something about that. Talon? I know a Talon. Did you smack him in the mouth when you met him? Mm, he's a child. Do you bully him a bit? James, you shove no. him against the locker? You should join um, on Reddit. There's a subreddit called Tragedy. Yeah. And it's Tragedy spelt with an E-I-G-H at the end. And it's like all the names that kids get these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. That's actually my meteor back. <laughs> All these fucking Mason. Mason's not a That's weird a normal name. One. That's a very normal name. It's not name. weird, but it pisses me off. There's probably so many people listening to their kid named Mason. Yeah. You're alienating, alienating everyone. Sorry. Look, I'm sorry. All right. Sorry. I have a very boring name. You do. And so do I. James and Sarah. There's no one else named James or Sarah. Nope. Ever. 
My sources were <laughs> a blog called filmknife.medium.com, ah. IMDb, Vulture, The Daily Beast, MTV, Cheatsheet.com, Reddit, and A-ish? A-I-S-H. It's a Jewish ah. program. Ah. I think you did your best there. Well, that was super fun. I love those deep dives, man. I desperately need to watch this movie yes, again. I yeah. so need to. Uh, well, I love him. He's he's done a lot of great stuff uh, for the Disney company. I adore him, even if he might have some pro-Trump views. Who cares? Yeah. I still adore him. Everyone's got their own thing going on. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. Well, yeah, next time we go to Disneyland and, and hit up Soren, we'll give him a, a salute from the old pod. <laughs> well, good job as always, Ash. You want to recommend a few things for our audience before we let them go? Yes. Okay, I'm ready. I'll start. Go ahead, I please. got one. For okay. God's sake. This is, guys, an anti-recommendation. Ah! Oh. oh. Right there. Okay. This is a recommendation what not to do. I'm going to lean in to Ashley. I here. know what he's doing. So we're talking about watching some Thanksgiving movies, right? Mm-hmm. Ash and I are crazy people. We go out of our way. So we're like planes, trains, and automobiles. That's a classic. Right. Son-in-law. Dumb movie with Polly Shore. I know how you feel about Polly Shore. Well, it's a grand movie. It's so funny. We're thinking Adam's Family Values. That's got yeah, Thanksgiving happy, moments happy in it. Happy Turkey Day. Sure. We go out of our way so much to even rent movies from the library because we can't find them online for free. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why. Get this, though. Then Ashley throws in a movie that she remembers off the top of her dome. She remembers it being a Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. It's called The Ice Storm. Okay. Have you ever seen The Ice Storm? No, I have not. Of course you haven't. It's starring Kevin Klein, Everyone's Joan Allen, it. Sigourney Weaver, Toby Maguire, Elijah Wood, Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. Okay. The chick that plays CJ Craig. Yep, yeah, chick that plays CJ Craig. So, and many more. Made in 1997. Okay. By Ang Lee. It's an Ang Lee joint. He did like Throwback Mountain. Yeah. And many other hits. He's being a little baby. It is so sad. <laughs> oh. Here's the plot of the movie. The adults suck and can't get their lives together. In the, the 70s. In the parents. All they do is cheat on each other. Mm-hmm. They're constantly almost about to get divorced. They're all fucking each other and hating each other and being awful. And then the kids are all awkwardly touching each other's private parts. And they're only like 14, maybe 12. So that's fun. <laughs> then one of the main characters dies at the very end and it ends with one of the dads just crying, just bawling. And then the credits come. Excellent. And during the movie, there's an ice storm. So it's really bleak and wintry and icy. <laughs> <laughs> Is Thanksgiving in it at all? For like two seconds. Okay. It's yeah. the reason so it's that, not a Thanksgiving It's the reason movie. that the kids are all home at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That is a very brief moment in James the James is a little bitch. Movie. If you like dramas, you should watch it. <laughs> it's, it is actually a good film, but jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, we watched Son-in-Law after that to cleanse the palate. <laughs> and that was a hard jump. I'm sure it was. It was a hard jump, dude. The Weasel. I do recommend Son-in-Law. Get some. You, I think you've recommended Son-in-Law. This is like probably the Dude, third time. It now. is a perfect movie from beginning to end. Not <laughs> one second goes by that isn't perfectly done. It is. It's everything I want in a movie. It's so funny. It's so entertaining. 
Oh. Well. That's it? That's it. <laughs> My recommendation is a drama series called Bodies. Mm-hmm. It's from 2023. There's only one season as of now. It is four detectives in four different time periods of London find themselves investigating the same murder. So it's a time travel kind of... But it's really cool because it's 1890, 1941, oh, yeah. uh, current day, and then 2053 or something like that. And it's all British? They're all in London? They're like, in London. London. Yeah. Is and it kind of like film noir-y kind of... No? No. It just... There's moments like that because it's different time periods. So it seems like that a little bit. But I've actually it's heard like about this. very futuristic yeah. in the future. And then it's, you know, 1890. How cool. And they are all investigating the same murder because the same murder happens on the same street and it's the same guy. In different times? In different times. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, how fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting story for sure. It's well done. Awesome. Um God, it's definitely like, like it caught me right away. And it's on Netflix, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Just makes things easy for yep. everyone. Everyone's got Netflix. It's it's a very uh, it's easy to follow too. It's not like crazy, you know. Yeah. Having to track everybody, right. it, it makes sense. Is it a, is it so English that you need subtitles? No. Okay. Not at all. I but wouldn't I, care if it was. I was just curious. I use subtitles for everything. You got us into that now. We do it too. Yeah. It's hard to go back. It is. Yeah. The only thing you should never watch sub watch with subtitles. Stand-up stand up. comedy. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because it ruins the joke. Yep. You see it two yeah. seconds before they say it, and yeah. their timing is lost. Right. And there's, yeah. You're like, I got the joke already before you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. Sounds good. I love shows like that. What do you got, Sweet. I Obviously, I recommend the subreddit Tragedy. That's T-R-A-G-E-D-E-I-G-H. I mean, and just to give you an idea, this is something... Someone was posting on Facebook saying that they have their daughter's name picked out. It's orally, but they they lifted they've listed three different ways they could possibly spell it. Mm. Someone added another one that's even dumber. Someone added another mm. one that's even dumber. Someone Pissed. added another one that's even dumber. Pissed. And then someone just said, "Please don't." Pissed. Orally is not a good name for anyone. No. no. Like we, how we do I how do I rape the child? Exactly. Orally. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, <laughs> the animal hero of the week Family show. is Finney, the Jack Russell Terrier. Oh. So Rich Moore, 71, of Pagosa Springs, was reported missing on August 19th, and his body was discovered on October 30th. Um, but beside Moore, his dog was discovered to be alive. So he stayed with him for weeks. Um, By the way, this is a, a, a view into Ashley's mind. Yeah. D- story about a dead human body. Right? Uh-huh. You got that part. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. don't skip over that part. She did. Yeah, she, she did. Of course she did. I, she said, did. I found a All good boy. All she saw was a good boy. <laughs> so just want you to know what I deal with. He was his white Jack Russell Terrier that was next to him at Blackhead Peak Summit. So yeah, he was there for I mean a month and a half, almost two months. <gasps> no, was he eating over two months. Did he eat his owner's? No, body? he did not. Because he's a good boy. Um, <laughs> I want to be eaten by a pet. That's I know, Ashley's right? dream. Yeah. 
Um, he was the the pup was transported to a veterinary hospital for treatment and has since been reunited with her family. Well, you oh, didn't answer girl. the question. What was this Jack Russell eating? I don't know. Okay. Um, so this marks at least the third time a dog has been found alive next to a hiker's body since last year. In May of 2022, a Labrador was found lying next to the body of a 74-year-old Aww. Arizona man who had died during the hike. Dogs are so sweet. And the month before that, a missing 29-year-old hiker was found dead in Griffith Park with his mm. dog by his side. And family members said it appeared that the dog hadn't left his side for two weeks. Poor wow. boy. Dogs um, are definitely better than us. Yeah. And no... better than cats. And here's the thing. <laughs> I knew someone as, yeah. was going to say that. And... Cats are smarter because they know that I would happily give my body to nourish them to stand by my side. I don't think that Midge, though, would even consider me food. She's too dumb. She doesn't know it's food unless it's served in a bowl (laughs) in a particular place. Oh, our our cat Benny, big big beefy Benny, he would 100% start eating us. Yes, I believe that. Because he's real selfish. Yeah. He doesn't care about anything but himself. Nope. So I think it depends on the kitty. Yeah, yeah. Dogs tend to be better natured in that regard. Yes. They're also just far more loyal. Yeah. Cats look at you like. <laughs> well, they're only loyal to you. Everyone else doesn't exist for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I, we, I was like the me and Asher were the only people that could actually handle Minerva. Oh, yeah. You kind of because she knew you a little bit, but I didn't know yeah. Minerva. She no. wouldn't let you. Yeah. No. She wouldn't let you in. Well, here's to you, you cute little dog. Yeah. All, All right. right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent. See, See you real, real soon. soon. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WRHatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week.